Life can be unpredictable. Life can be good. It can be tough, overwhelming. What do you do with all that uncertainty when you can't control it, overpower it, fix it, stop it? What if the most powerful thing you can do is pray? This is a series about powerful prayer in uncertain times. What would it actually look like to live by prayer? I want to ask you a question. And I want you to think about it because it's, it's, it's a question that I think um, you, you could answer it really quickly and just say yes or no. Or you could think about it. And I think if you spent time thinking about this question and really came to what you believe about it, it would change everything. In fact, I actually think this, that your future and what you do in this world is dependent on how you answer this question. And the question is this, does prayer work? Yeah, I mean, like, if you ask people, does prayer work? I think everyone's just like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about, do you really believe it? Like, to the point where it moves you to pray. Uh, it was a while ago, somebody um, posted something on Facebook about uh, a tragedy. And I actually went on there in the comments and I said, praying for you. And a lot of people were doing praying for you, praying for you, praying for you. And then someone else went on there and said this, stop telling people you're praying and actually do something about it. I, I saw it and I was like, because you get, you get the comments if you wrote one. And I was like, should I not have said that? Should I... Should I, like, what do I, and it led me to this whole point of reflection of what, do I believe prayer works? And here's where I came out from that with. I came out of that thinking this, not only do I think prayer works, but I actually believe that for any eternal work, it has to start in prayer. You see, uh, I know that some of you out there are saying this. I grew up maybe and said a prayer or with a family said a prayer. Maybe I went to a church and said a prayer. But you might be listening to this saying this. Prayer doesn't work for me. It's just, for whatever reason, you feel like that prayer is more like wishing. And um, you tried that. You, you said a prayer. You didn't get what you asked for. And so prayer doesn't work. But is that how prayer works? What if prayer isn't like a genie that you rub a lamp, it comes out and gives you three wishes? What if prayer was different? What if prayer isn't just about trying to move God? What if prayer is actually where God moves us? In fact, Jesus said prayer is so powerful that not only can it move us, it moves mountains. That's how powerful prayer is. In fact, here's how prayer moves us. First of all, prayer moves us closer to the heart of God. There's something that when you pray an honest prayer, a prayer from your heart, just like, God, here's what I'm really dealing with, what I'm really going through, what's really happening, that you, your heart actually, it actually starts to get close. And not only do you get, start to move towards God, God moves towards you. Jesus said it this way, or J James said it this way, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That as, as we're praying, we're actually, our hearts are moving closer to God's. Not only that, our hearts are moving closer to each other. I, about a year ago, Carrie and I made a commitment that we were going to, on a regular basis, join hands as a married couple and pray. I just want to talk to everybody who's married out there right now. There's something powerful that happens when you join hands and you say a prayer out loud together. 
I actually think that it pushes the gates of hell back. It's like, it's so powerful that it moves mountains when, when a married couple in Jesus' name joins hands in praise over their family. Not only does it move us closer to God and the heart, heart of God and closer to each other, I believe this. Prayer moves us closer to the brokenness in this world. There's that that when, 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 when we pray, our hearts are drawn to God. Our, our hearts are drawn to each other. We feel the unity that comes from that. But our hearts are also, we, we start to lose the numbness and our eyes are open to the brokenness in this world. And we go, oh, I want to do something. And prayer moves us together powerfully with God to move mountains and to do miracles. Let me tell you about somebody's prayer that made a huge difference in the world, an actual miracle that God did through, that started in prayer. And the guy's name is Nehemiah. And uh, in Nehemiah chapter one, Nehemiah is serving as cupbearer to the king and some friends show up and give him a report about uh, bad news. I don't know if you've been hearing any bad news in this season. And they said to Nehemiah, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed. Now listen, the, the way, a, a nation was guarded in some ways by their capital city, which was then protected by walls. The walls kept the enemy out. Do you feel like in some ways the walls of our world, the walls that kept us safe from disease, from economic disaster, have been broken down and shattered, and we find ourselves feeling that we're in great trouble because these walls have been torn down. The gates have been destroyed. So what was his response? His response was to do what many of you have done as you maybe had a loved one get sick or pass away or lose a job or struggle with how you're going to keep your business going. Uh, Nehemiah heard this, sat down, and he wept. In fact, for days he mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah starts in response to the brokenness with prayer. Listen, any great vision always starts with brokenness. And a passion with the help of God to make a difference. There's some basic facts about Nehemiah, okay? So as you read through Nehemiah, what you see is this. When I read chapter 1, verse 1, it says, these are the memoirs of, of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah is serving the king by the name of Artaxerxes. He's the king of Persia. Um, Babylon had come in and destroyed uh, Jerusalem. And so the, Jerusalem, the city, the temple, and the walls were destroyed in 586 by the Babylonians. Now the Babylonians were then destroyed by the Persians and the Medes. The Persians at this point are the ones that are in power. They're the most powerful world force at this time. In 539, Cyrus decreed that people could return to their homelands. So many of the Jews who had been scattered in exile began to go back to Jerusalem, but they never really rebuilt those walls. They, never, they tried to rebuild the temple a few times. They finally did under Ezra, but it just it wasn't the same. And their hopes had come up recently because they had kind of heard word, oh, we're rebuilding the city. And then all of a sudden, these friends show up and tell Nehemiah, no, uh-uh, the walls are in disgrace. The brokenness is worse than you thought. It's not getting better. And so Nehemiah is broken by this. 
The walls of Jerusalem had been broken for 141 years now. It's 445 B.C. And so for 141 years, what happened is this. They just got used to the brokenness. I want you to hear me. Never get used to the brokenness in this world. It's real, but don't get used to it. We can walk by it, stop to feel it, stop to care about it. We can just move on with our lives and not have to even notice it. Never get used to the brokenness in this world. Let the things that break the heart of God break your heart as well. The third thing is this is Nehemiah's personal journal, and that's what he says. These are the memoirs of of Nehemiah. So this is, in this season, Nehemiah kept a journal so he could go back and read about God's faithfulness in his life. It was an encouragement to him. My, my wife right now is a teacher and she's telling her kids in her classroom via technology to keep journals and to write down daily things of what they're going through. Why? Because it becomes later a primary source that someone could come back to 50 years from now and go, oh, that's what somebody wrote down that was living through the COVID crisis. Nehemiah's personal journal is right here. And what happens is this is a rebuilding project takes place. Nehemiah launches a rebuilding project to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Listen to this. What was broken for 141 years is rebuilt in 52 days. That's a miracle. 141 years, it's rebuilt in 52 days. Why? Because it started in prayer, because of the passion and favor God gave him, But also this, he got everybody involved and everyone found their place on the wall. Listen to me, we've got brokenness in our world. We've got brokenness in our nation and communities. You might have brokenness in your own family, but let me tell you this, nothing is impossible for God. And can you imagine if every Christian actually got together and united on the mission with Jesus together? Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Many of you right now listening to me, you've been disconnected from the church. We need you. We need you to find your place on the wall. We need you doing your part together that we can do this. And I think it can be done faster than we think, better than we think. With God's help, who knows what's possible, but it's going to take everybody and it's got to start in prayer. Now, what was his prayer? Nehemiah's prayer was this. He said, God, listen to my prayer. He says, look down and see me praying night and day. So he starts praying. It wasn't one prayer. It's a season of prayer in his life, responding to the brokenness. And he says this. He says, I confess that we have sinned against you. I'm like, well, what did Nehemiah do? He didn't do I mean, he's, he's not even living there. He, he's serving the king in a total other place. He, 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 what has he done? But he says, no, I confess. Here's what happens. When we won't confess any of our part of the brokenness in this world, we simply blame other people. Go through Facebook. Read people's uh, uh, feeds. People are just basically what? We're just blaming each other for the problems in this world. What if we took ownership as the followers of Jesus and confessed that we have perhaps neglected prayer, that we have been disconnected from our families, that we have been disconnected in our relationships, that we haven't been as faithful as we'd like to be in our service of God. And Nehemiah starts there. He confesses his sins and his families. And then he goes from confession to the promises of God. And he says this. He says, please remember what you told your servant Moses, that if you're unfaithful to me, I'll scatter you. 
I think that's the church right now in exile. We're scattered. You see all the stats on the church is like, it's going down in America. There's less. But what's happening, I believe, in this season is this. He says, but he says, if you return to me and obey me, my commands, he says this. He says, even if you're exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back. In this season, what's happening in a time where church doors are closed and churches can't gather, what are we watching? What are we seeing? We're watching Jesus bring the church back together, not weekly, daily, around a vision and a mission to heal what's broken in this world. Listen to his prayer. He says this. He says, the people that you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. We're not asking God to serve us. We're his servants. He says, grant me success today. He says, make the king, Artaxerxes, favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. He, he's recognizing, God, maybe you put me here in this place, in this position. Look, the, the, the cupbearer had an important job of keeping the king alive, not poisoned. <laughs> and not only that, Nehemiah would have had to probably have overheard a lot of conversations of high-level government and councils um, to, strategizing on how to solve all of those conversations he overheard or were a part of was shaping how he would one day lead the people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So what did he do? He goes to the king and it's interesting, actually he's just serving the king, it's just another day and uh, by the way I believe this, it's the people you serve that God will use to bring favor into your life. Serve well, and God will give you favor. The king notices he's down one day. He just seems to be a little bit depressed and says, hey, what's wrong? Now listen, if you're always negative, no one's going to notice the one day that you're down. <laughs> I mean, because if you're always negative, they're like, that's how they are. But if you're a person that's encouraging and upbeat and you like to serve, but like you've been hit by hard news and you find yourself down in this season, people notice. And because he'd served well, because he had the heart of the king, the king asked him this question. He says, because he says, what's wrong? And Nehemiah says, the walls of where I grew up, the city there is in disgrace, it's destroyed, it's terrible. The king asked this question. He says, how can I help? I just believe this. God's given you vision for your place on the wall. And there's somebody that you're serving. And they're going to ask you in this season, how can I help? Would you get your answer ready? How can I help? And what, is, what did he ask for? He goes, well, I'm going to need some time off. The, the Jerusalem's a whole other, you know, it's like a, be like, I'm going to head to Oregon and do this. And so I got to go away. Uh, not only that is as I travel, uh, there could be like other armies and people that want to like steal from us or beat us up. And so could you send some guards to give us safe travel in the right papers and passports? And finally, this is, we're going to need some wood. And I know you've got like a forest and a bunch of timber. And so if you can basically do this, fund the whole project, pay me while I have time off, and then have people give us safe travel, then I'll totally do it. And the king says to all of this, yes. I'm just like, what was going through Nehemiah when the king was like, all right. Well, here's what he does. He starts to get ready for God to do something big. Listen, when you pray, it moves you closer to the heart of God. It moves us closer to each other. It moves us closer to the hurt and the brokenness. But it also moves mountains. What does he do? Uh, he gets ready by, first of all, this. He gets his, he, 
his ask ready. He, 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 when the king said, what can I do? He's like, oh, don't worry about it. Or, you know, well, I just need a little bit of help. He said, hey, it's a big problem. And so it's going to require a lot of help. Don't be afraid to ask people big if it's something that is important. Secondly is this. He begins to learn about the problem. He actually goes there at night, so no one's noticing what's going on, and checks out the brokenness firsthand. Listen, if you're going to be a part of helping heal the brokenness in this world, you have to go and see it yourself. Study it. Learn everything about it. Dive into it. Know what's going on. You have to understand the brokenness so that you can be a part of the rebuilding. Third thing is this, is get people involved. Listen, in chapter 3 of Nehemiah, as you read through this, there, there, there's like a list of names of people that get involved. And I dare you to read that chapter out loud and see how many names you can get right. It's so hard because there's all these people that get involved. And I think about some of the people that get involved. It starts with families. I was reading, I was like, wow, this isn't just about people getting involved. It was about families getting involved. Here, if your family feels disconnected, here's what's needed. Your family needs a mission where they can serve together with some of the brokenness in this world. If your family feels disconnected, find some brokenness in the world where God can help heal and you can help rebuild. Secondly, I noticed this. People took on new jobs. There's some person who's like a perfume maker and now they're building a wall and you're like, you know, and maybe you've been furloughed from your job. You're like, what do I do? Maybe there's a new skill in this season that God's going to want to use. Also, people worked on what was close to their homes. Said, so, yeah, it was like they, it was right next door. It was across the street. They were working on what was near to their hearts and near to their homes. You know, sometimes we'll go like across the world to go do something for somebody else. But would we go across the street? Work on what's close to your heart, close to your home. And finally, don't disqualify yourself. At the end of the chapter, there's this guy that's brought up that, honestly, he screwed up in another book of the Bible. And yet here we see some redemption where he gets back involved, gets back in this project. Listen, maybe you've sinned. Maybe you've rebelled against God. Maybe you've done things you're not proud of. Maybe you've been living in shame. Maybe you don't go to church because you feel like you'll be judged there. In this season, we need you back on the team. We need you to find your place on the wall. Don't disqualify yourself. When we celebrated Easter, we are celebrating new life and the forgiveness of sins. And that message was for you. It's time for you to get back up and back on the team. And we need everyone involved. And we know this. Not only do we need to get ready, but we need to expect challenges. Listen, Nehemiah, he faces challenges. The first thing, he faces people problems. In fact, there's some critics by the name of Tobiah and Sambalit. And uh, the, the, all they're doing is telling, they're telling other people about how bad Nehemiah is. And they're making fun of him. And how they're not even going to be able to close to rebuilding this. Anytime you go to do something for God that's great, other people want to critique you criticize you or make fun of you. And here's what I found. If you don't listen to your critics, God will send you more. The critics are there to refine your spirit, your heart, and your motives. Not to, not to get you to quit, but actually to get you to dig in deeper with pure motives that this is all for God. He had people problems. He also had money problems. I mean, they had like famine super high debt, really big taxes. I mean, it was just like, they didn't have maybe checks being shown up in the mail to help fund this thing. They, they had to figure out how are we going to do this? And so not only have people problems and money problems, which if you have money problems right now, you can relate to Nehemiah. 
and what's going on with those people. But the, the biggest problems were the heart problems. The heart problems were huge. One of the heart problems that you, as you read through the book, you find is this, is people were saying, hey, what's in it for me? And that me focus was actually getting in the way of a great work that God wanted to do. Hey, want to rebuild the walls? What's in it for me? Hey, listen, here's the point. If you catch this, it's going to help every relationship you have. You ready? You ready? It's not about you. <laughs> it's not about me. It's about these walls are being rebuilt for the glory of God. What God wants to do to rebuild America and rebuild the church and rebuild this world, what God wants is it's for his glory. Right? Not only that, as people were uh, a little bit, they, they had gone through so many money problems that the focus was this, make as much money as you can, irregardless of who it hurts. And what happened is money became more important than people. Now listen, listen you can use money to help people, but don't use people to get more money. The third is people were complaining without sacrificing, and specifically the people who didn't have money. They were pointing to those who were richer and saying, hey, well, what's their problem? How come they're not doing more? And they're complaining, but they themselves weren't giving, serving, or doing anything. <laughs> the, the children of God wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of why? Complaining. In this season, God wants to take all the complaining out of the church and wants to take it out of your home because he wants to take it out of your heart. Okay? So, no, they have these challenges. They had more. Just poof. Yeah, project exhaustion. How do we keep this thing going? Personal attacks coming after Nehemiah. More personal attacks, intimidation, threats, sabotage. There's a moment where um, some of these guys are trying to get Nehemiah to go out into the desert where they just pop him off and kill him. And, and I love what he says three times. He says, I have a great work and I cannot come down. There's a moment where they're building the walls, but they also are like one arm, one hand is rebuilding the wall and the other one's holding a weapon to defend themselves. This is what they had to go through to keep this thing going. And how did Nehemiah respond to all of the challenges? Here's what he did. He prayed again. It says, but we prayed to our God and he guarded the city day and night. We pray, God, protect us. I pray protection over your family in Jesus' name. Protection over your businesses in Jesus' name. Protection over your health, over your souls in Jesus' name. And he says, then we prayed as we were being mocked. Hear us, O God, we're being mocked. Listen, you don't have to defend yourself. God's your defender. He says, remember, O God, all that I've done for these people and bless me for it. Over and over, he's praying again and again. Remember, O God, all the evil things that these guys have done. Remember how they tried to intimidate me. And the prayer kept him going. Here's something I learned in Nehemiah. Two things. One is this. The Nehemiah principle is every 30 days, you have to recast the vision. <laughs> hey, every 30 days, you have to recast the vision because your heart needs it and the people need to hear it. But the only way that you'll do that is this, is if every time that you face challenge, you push through and you pray through it. That prayer is what moves us closer to God, closer to each other. Prayer is what moves that mountains and prayer is what keeps that vision alive in your heart. And what happens? Well, it says it was on October 2nd. The walls were finished 52 days after they'd begun. What was broken for 141 years, was rebuilt in 52 days because everybody got involved. And when the walls were rebuilt, it was, more, it was about more than the walls. 
It was actually about their hearts and their relationship with God. That God was using the, the rebuilding of the walls to rebuild his people in their relationships. So when the walls were rebuilt, the people got together and they celebrated. Like, this is a time of social distancing, but there's a day of celebration in front of us. Don't forget that. When the walls were rebuilt, the people returned to God and they worshiped together. I can't wait for those moments. Somebody said to me, Wes, I can't wait till we can worship side by side again. I had another person say, I'll never take for granted being able to come into a gathering, hear the singing of God's people and the preaching of his word. We just got busy. We had other idols. We had stuff in front of God. Let's just be honest. God's rebuilding his church. He's rebuilding you. Look, when Jesus died on the cross, really, what, what was he doing? Nehemiah. He's rebuilding our relationship with God. When Jesus launched a church, what was he doing? He was helping everybody find their place on the wall. In this season, God wants to do the same thing. I want to ask you this question. Where is your place on the wall? What's close to your heart? Close to your home? What's the brokenness that you see that you think someone should do something about it? Uh, we got time. <laughs> Plenty of people willing to be involved. But it's going to take vision. And that's going to start in prayer. Here's the prayer challenge this week. My challenge to you is this. Would you pray every day until God tells you your place on the wall? Uh, you can ask people and they can give you ideas. You can ask the pastor and they can probably even come up with something. But the Holy Spirit knows your place on the wall. Would you take, and, and when you know what that is, I'd love, I'd love for you to tell me what it is. I'd love for you to tell me what it is. And say, hey, I found my place on the wall. Now listen, your place on the wall is not necessarily your job. It, 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 it's your calling. Where's your place on the wall? Like, I want to have a word of prayer with you. Um, here's one of the things I was thinking about is this. Is I want to pray for every disconnected Christian that's been exiled away from the church. And in this season, you would hear Jesus say to you, I'm calling you back. I'm praying for every Christian that's been involved in a church, but they feel like it doesn't, they don't know their place on the wall. They're not sure how they're making a difference in this world. Or maybe we've just been too focused, arrows in on each other. God's like, listen, I have the church to be involved in the communities, not separate. <laughs> and so I'm praying that you'll have that. And if you want to receive Christ today, right, right now, in this moment, I'm believing a miracle's happening and the Spirit of God's coming alive inside of you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray to you and we confess that we've sinned and our families have sinned. We've put other things as more important than you in our life. We pushed you from the place of being first in our life where you gave, we gave you our worship, our sacrifice, our devotion, and we pushed you aside and other things became more important to us and our lives have been broken. Our families have been broken. Our nation's been broken. Our world is broken. And in this moment, we ask, God, that you would forgive us and that you would remember what you've said and what you've promised, that you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail. And so, God, would you speak to your church and show them, this is where I have you. Here's who you're working with. Here's how your family's involved. Here's how you're a part of a, a much bigger work in this world. And here's how it brings glory to my name. And give us the endurance, God, to overcome all the opposition. 
Give us, God, the resolve to face the challenges in the days, weeks, and months ahead. God, give us the faith to continue to believe that there's a day coming where a city is rebuilt. And it's a city that's a new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven in the reuniting of God and his people in a day where we'll worship, we'll worship, but it'll be all nations, all languages, all tribes singing together to your name. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.